0: Everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Cluck, and along with my co-worker Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for the athletic. And today it's another one of our off-season podcasts. And uh, last week on our first off-season podcast of the se- off season. That's kind of a weird there's a lot of off seasons there in one in one <laughs> sentence, Jordan.
1: But I am not gonna be critical. My my goal is not to be critical in this podcast. I'm trying to be nicer and more friendly to you.
0: Oh, wow. I don't know if we can make it through an hour doing that.
1: I certainly won't be returning the favor. No, no, I I wouldn't expect anything less.
0: But last week, um, we asked people, hey, you know, um, I gave out my email address and we said, you know, podcast listeners only. We're not putting this on Twitter. And uh, please send us some questions for a possible listener mailbag episode. Well, we got so many. I mean, we got over 30 here, I think, 30 emails. And some people had multiple questions, four or five questions. Um, thanks to everybody who sent in your questions. Some people wrote really long, detailed thoughts and, um, really cool. to A lot, read. Of, kind words. A lot of kind of words. Very nice. Yeah. It's, it's like someone pranking us or something. This is way too nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so first of all, thanks to everybody who sent in stuff, but we just thought, well, geez, we shouldn't delay at all on doing a listener mailbag episode. Uh, we might need two to get through even, you know, half these questions. So first of all, apologies, I guess, uh, to all the questions we're not going to be able to get to because we just, I mean, I'm we're we're looking at one of these uh, shared Google Docs here, Jordan, and it's 16 pages of questions, uh, all told. So uh, pretty pretty nice response there.
1: It is. It, it was great. Um, I love interacting with our listeners. I think we have a great group of listeners. It's always wonderful to to get their feedback, and I was surprised by the number of questions. And honestly, just we both said that this week, so many great questions. It's like, how do we pare this down uh, to, to what we chose? So hopefully we can uh, revisit this because I, I think this is a fun little addition to the podcast. And maybe we can do this on a regular basis.
0: And some people had some very creative submissions too. Like uh, I'm looking at <laughs> Jack Kozlowski. Uh, he is at University of Buffalo. He's a student and he um, he asked a couple questions. Then he said, P.S. Can you ask Jordan if he's ever considered a polar selfie stick to record his videos, (laughs) see picture attached. And he did a Photoshop of your infamous Bristol moment with t-shirt guy blocking you. Um, And he has, he made a design of a, where you you would get around t-shirt guy with a pole (laughs) and still be able to continue filming. I wish we could show everybody on the podcast this <laughs> creation, but uh, pretty pretty clever there. So
1: that would have uh, that actually would have come in handy. Uh, would have been interesting to see how T-shirt guy would have handled that, but that probably could have solved a lot of my problems that day.
0: He may have just <laughs> knocked it
1: right out of your hand or hit or yeah, you with the stick. So um, <laughs> no one wants to see me hit with a stick. I actually take that back. There's probably a lot of people that want to see me hit with a stick. <laughs>
0: well, then we got another uh, listener question, for instance, from uh, Bob Pocras, who asked. Uh, How come I always see Jordan in the background post race, but never see Gluck on my television?
1: Okay. Why is that, Jordan? I don't know. I feel targeted. I feel like this has become a thing. And I I (laughs) promise this isn't like intentional. I, I don't I just try to get really close and up close and sometimes probably too close, but I don't know. What you tell me. What do you think? You see this?
0: I learned a long time ago when you see a camera pointed interviewing somebody, you can that means you're in it. So I just don't want to be <laughs> that to so. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I mean, I, I mean, aren't know. you I'll... conscious of
0: like, if you're like, let's I... say you're in the post-race bullpen and there's a camera, even, even like off to the side where they're interviewing somebody else on pit road. And it's sort of pointing in our direction. I immediately tense up and I go, okay, don't pick your nose. Don't pick your nose. Don't scratch anything. Don't like, Ooh, why, why would you pick you your know? nose anyway? Well, I mean, that's I mean gross. you wouldn't, but I mean, don't even scratch your nose. Like don't scratch your ear. Like, uh, don't, just don't do it. anything. Yeah. I mean, just, don't do something where immediately people are going to be in the background and see you on NBC or Fox, whatever, and make a gif or a gif, whatever people keep getting mad at me for that. Um, out of you, you know, scratching your eyebrow or whatever, like, look at this guy. Is there something wrong with his eyebrow? He has got something in his eye. You know what, how it is like I, so I'm always like, no, no, I don't want to do that. But, you know you're just like hey i'm doing my job I, i'm in it you know you're just so focused i think you don't see it or something i don't know i
1: don't i, I don't think about it to be honest with you i, I just want to be up close and in, you know in the thick of it and know what's going on and and i think the formula One race at austin you know i was right behind total wolf and i didn't even like give it a second thought it was just so focused on what i was doing which was following christian horner around and like and then you messaged me and you're like dude you're in this shot i'm like oh thank
0: goodness you didn't pick your nose because that would have been been beamed to viewers around the world on the post-race coverage but i feel
1: like bob was targeting me so that was uh, that's a little hurtful bob i appreciate that joke
0: bob so thank you for i don't think he's joking (laughs) he's just giving you a hard time like bob that's bob humor right there that's bob humor Uh, anyway um so yeah we we went through we we you know, I don't even know if we're gonna do any particular order here. Uh, yeah, we haven't really organized this one. Well. <laughs> we haven't organized it, but we're just gonna go through and uh, let's let's just start off with a bang here, Jordan. Uh, All right. Now, uh, one more thing before we get started. I'm so sorry. Some people, and when they sent me an email, some people sign their full name. Mm-hmm. Some people just sign their name, even though their like full like first and last name was in it like in the email header, you know, like, or in mm-hmm. the email address, I'm not going to read their last name if they didn't like sign it. Cause, uh, I don't want to like, if they, maybe they didn't mean for their full name to be on the podcast. So this is from Trevor. Trevor knows who, who, who they are because, um, you know, he submitted the question in the first place. So you'll know it's your question, but if you hear me read some people's first names and some people's last names, that's why I didn't want to just do it without permission. So Trevor wrote in, And uh, one of his questions was, if you were NASCAR president for a day, what would be your first decree? You want to go first, Jordan, or do you
1: want me to? Yeah, that's a you. Why don't you go first? Because I I honestly don't have one straight answer. So please, I'm curious what you have to say.
0: Okay, so first of all, you know, it's a different question. If if you were NASCAR president overall and just NASCAR president for a day right? Because there's only so much you can do sure. in a day. You can't change the whole sport. And plus the regular NASCAR president would probably just come back the next day and change back everything you did if you didn't like <laughs> <Good> it. <point. laughs> so if I had a day, a positive change that I would make that I feel like would maybe stick is I would require, I would mandate that all drivers, um, have to do some sort of fan engagement, uh, activity during the race weekend, whether that's a full field autograph session, whether that's a stage in the fan zone, whether that's uh, a meet and greet or something like drivers are going to be asked, not just by teams and sponsors, but by NASCAR to do more, to get out, like to basically, I'm going to guarantee our fans that if you come to a race weekend, the full weekend, not just race day, if you come to like Saturday, Sunday, and you want to see your favorite driver in person that maybe you're not going to get an autograph, but you know, for some of the more popular guys, chase Elliott can't sign 50,000 autographs, but you're gonna you're gonna be able to see that driver. We're gonna give you an opportunity to see that driver in person with your ticket. No extra add-ons, just part of the experience. You have that chance at least to see your driver. That's what I would change.
1: I like it. I like that. Here's my idea. I'm gonna call Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott into my office. I'm gonna call one of my television partners, and we're gonna have a television special, and we're going to rewatch the end of that Bristol race. Then we are going to re-watch the end of that robo race and everything that transpired there. And I'm going to record and interact with these guys, their actions and their feelings as they're watching this. And everything that they say is going out over a live television broadcast. Tell me you wouldn't watch that. So they have to
0: sit next to each other in a room, watching yep. this yep. And be- getting asked for what happened. Exactly. And they have to explain in all the awkwardness or whatever. Yes.
1: And I'd That's probably great. bring in some like uh adult beverages, maybe kind of, you know, loosen them up a little bit. I think that would be fun.
0: That sounds really fun. I like that. Okay. That's very good. (laughs) Joe McIntyre. um, One of his questions is what deceased or decommissioned track do you guys think would be the best addition to the current NASCAR schedule and why? Now, of course, this comes in a week where North Wilkesboro and Rockingham uh, just got some funding from in the new North Carolina budget. Uh, Obviously, And we also saw, I think Matt Weaver was the one who pointed out that, um, in the SMI header that lists all their tracks now or whatever, uh, from press release or whatever it was, um, that North Wilkesboro is now included in their portfolio. So clearly, and Marcus Smith said, I mean, we're, we're trying to update it so we can have some events. We don't know what that all will entail, but you know, clearly that's one option. Uh, Jordan, your thoughts on any track that jumps out to you that that could be in that role? Maybe it is North Wilkesboro. I know you've, you visited there.
1: Yeah. I mean, North Wilkesboro is great. Honestly, it'd be any short track. I mean, whether it's a Hickory, whether it's a South boss, any of those classic short tracks that are on the schedule, but the ones that jump out to me most is one is North Wilkesboro, but I'm kind of over this whole North Wilkesboro thing for a lot of reasons. Honestly, it's, it's one track, another track that is looking to be brought back. It's Nashville. It's the fairgrounds. That is a great half mile high bank, short track. It's in a great market. I think, that checks a lot of boxes. That is a track that I think would be a worthy addition to the cup schedule and produce great racing.
0: Yeah. Nashville. I mean, I was, um, I felt after visiting Nashville for the SRX race, which was packed crowd and all that stuff, it it was good. But I mean, that track definitely needs a lot of work to be up to sort of NASCAR standards. And the more I think about it, you know, we always talk about, hey, you know, NASCAR could go to these places or they go to old short tracks, go to South Boston type thing. And we got some questions um, from other people about, you know, what short track should they go back to? But, you know, you could do that for maybe one race a year, like a really old Mm -hmm. school short track that's not necessarily updated, but you can't just fill the NASCAR schedule with a bunch of outdated facilities because part of the Cup Series is bringing, you know, high-profile sponsors and, you know, making it look like a big professional sporting event and you can't just dip back if it's not going to be updated to all these tracks. So, um, I, I say that as somebody who never saw a race at North Wilkesboro, so I don't have any particular attachment to it, but one I do have attachment to was, uh, the first race I ever covered or attended was Rockingham 2004. Yeah. And I think even when they went back there for the truck series race, uh, a few years later, um, I, I, I just think Rockingham, like, you know, that surface, the way that it wears and um, you know, just the the unique sort of layout of it, uh, I mean that put up puts on really good racing. It puts in the driver's hands and it's a Darlington esque type track where Sure, you know, it's not it's not a short track, but you go there and it's you get some good true NASCAR racing where you have comers and goers and stuff naturally. Um so I guess I'd always be in favor of trying to get back to Rockingham somehow. I just the nostalgia for me Personally, would would f- check that list, but um yeah, that's that's my question. So thank you, or answer for thank you for Joe McIntyre for his question there.
1: Oh, that was a great one. I, I agree. I, I I never watched the ro- race at Rockingham except on television, but like you said, the, the tire wear there and what it represents, it seems that would be a worthy addition as well.
0: And so that leads into sort of a similar question from Blaine Russell, who wants to know about how NASCAR should fix the short track dilemma. So we just said, you know they, you know, they can't necessarily go back to all these old venues. Yeah. Right. Um, so what do they do? How do they fix it? And what is a good number of short tracks for a 38 race schedule?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And that's one I always try to wrestle with. And I've asked people a lot is, is there people aren't building short tracks? I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, what's going on at auto club speedway, with NASCAR is doing is kind of the anomaly there. And so there's six short tracks right now in this or six short track races on the schedule. Auto club Five. is going to, well, right. I'm I mean, counting Bristol Brist-
0: dirt's not, that's not a short track. It's still a
1: short track. It's on a short track. I'm counting it. That's counting
0: crazy. It. No, absolutely not. That's not a short track race. That's a dirt okay, I'm not going to get
1: into this argument. Well, I will just, I'm just going to agree with you. I'm going to treat you like I treat my mother and just say yes to everything. <laughs> and Isn't just your mother gonna, visiting right now. Yeah. She's probably listening to this too. And it's don't ask. I'm gonna, <laughs> I ain't going to need a therapy session after this. Um, <laughs> Okay, there's five short track dates, according to Jeff, on the schedule. Auto Club is going to be six. Let's say uh, Nashville comes on the schedule. That's seven. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you get more than that. And that that's the one thing I'm curious. I think this LA Coliseum idea represents is a possibility to add more short tracks and, and in major markets, too, by the way, that otherwise don't exist. Because if this is successful – all of a sudden your neck of the woods, Jeff, if you want to have a race in Denver, it's no longer, well, are we going to race on the street course, you know, in downtown Denver, or do we have to maybe figure out a way to get to Pike's Peak? It's well, wait a second, can we build a short track inside Mile High Stadium? And so I think that's the best avenue for this. So I would love to see more short tracks. I don't know what that right number is. If you get right around 10, that's about just about a third of the schedule. That seems about right to me.
0: Yeah. So I I think you're exactly right in that a lot hinges on how the clash goes. I mean, I I really think a lot about the future schedules and and the future of short tracks really depends on that race and and not to put too much stock into it. But like you said, I mean, if it's a disaster, if it's just like, okay, this didn't work, then NASCAR doesn't need to worry about going back. You know, it was a one-time thing. They go forward with the Fontana redesign and maybe even other tracks, mm-hmm. um, follow that suit of, you know, like, okay, let's shorten our track. And, you know, maybe we build short tracks out of former intermediates or something like that, right on the same mm-hmm. property. If it's wildly successful, and this is like, Whoa, this concept works. This was great. This was fun. It was a great atmosphere. Then exactly what you're talking about. All of a sudden, every football stadium, every NFL yeah. stadium, beautiful places is in play for these kind of events. Um, you know, if, if NASCAR can work it out, I mean, if, if Supercross can go into baseball stadiums and football stadiums and completely tear up their grass and cover it with dirt and then give them, you know, pay for a new field and all that stuff, um, certainly NASCAR can build paved tracks, tear it up and or whatever, you know, if they get a process yeah. down and, and it, it opens up the whole world. I mean, any place that has like an Olympic style stadium mm-hmm. or whatever that you could pack and Tokyo, um, you know,
1: London, Mexico city. Yeah. I mean, it's you don't even need to worry about, Oh, okay. We
0: can only do that if it's a street race or a road course or, um, you go from, okay, can we get a street race in Chicago to, Hey, let's go back to soldier field. Like we once had way back in the fifties or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that's the, that's p- the potential solution. Um, and we'll see after that race. I mean, what happens I think, man, it's going to be crazy just how much sort of goes into that. But it's a concept that needs to be proved out first.
1: And I echo everything you said, and I don't think people realize how big, potentially, the ramifications, if the LA Coliseum is successful, what it can mean for long-term for NASCAR. It's growth and its schedule into different markets. I mean, New York City now is viable to go there and race. And people want short tracks. You might get them in spades.
0: So that kind of leads to my, the next question that I would chime in on. So this is from Jared C. Um, part of his email says I've been a season ticket holder at Texas motor speeder for 10 years and the racing has seemingly gotten progressively worse. What, if anything, can be done to make the racing at TMS better? And could the track potentially fall off the schedule if the attendance and or racing doesn't improve? I mean, to me, Jordan, I don't know if you agree. I mean, the only thing you can do to fix Texas at this point is turn it into a short track. Cause I don't 100%. think. With the unless you want to tear up the banking and start all over, which you they can. just did, they just redesigned it. I no, mean, that was cleared. their
1: opportunity too, and it was a missed opportunity. I, and I never understood this. And this was even before Auto Club re- revamped. But you're thinking, wait a second, so Texas Motor Speedway is spending all this money to to reconvert this one mile and a half racetrack in, into something that is not going. It's going to be another mile and a half racetrack. What are we doing here? There's a better way to do this. If you're going to be in that market, and it is a huge big viable market that you need to continue with. You have to have a race that is exciting, that is sexy, that people want to go out to an event and that is not on a mile and a half track. And the only way you can do that is a, a short track or something of that nature where people are like, wait a second, we, we want to go there and race. And if you want to continue to have an IndyCar race, that's fine. You can build a three quarter mile Iowa type track there and have both IndyCar and NASCAR and have good racing. I don't know how you don't at this point the only the only way to salvage texas to me is to blow it up and start over
0: yeah i mean i think the one thing about texas is even back then even now to a degree you go there and you know they haven't been removing stands like the other tracks have there's still you know it's almost like they're like oh they'll come back someday the fans will come back like they yeah. used 230 000 people or whatever and um you know it seemed like in Eddie Gossage's final days, he sort of made it out like he was doing IndyCar a favor to even have them there. So I don't mm-hmm. think that was ever like a much of a moneymaker at all no. for, for Texas. So I don't think that should go into the priority of what they, you know, if they want to have IndyCar or not, they shouldn't be designing the track for that. Um, but yeah, I think they need to, they need to make a change for the second part of Jared's question or else it, it could potentially, you know, I mean, they've already lost a points race and, um, you know, I don't see how NASCAR can keep going there twice a year if they don't do something to change it up. So, um, I mean, you can keep going there and trying and say, well, maybe our, you know, the rules package will change or something, but it's just as Jordan has made the point, um, on last week's episode, especially, I mean, it's, it's so much the track. So, yeah i don't know i i think uh turning into a short track would be my
1: it's you know, i don't know what else you can do i mean really at this point you've tried everything Any every excuse has been how many, how many how many excuses have we heard it's hunting season the cowboys are playing this that whatever dude we're running out of ex- we're running out of excuses
0: i was up in the press box looking out at the infield uh and and for this last texas race and the, the campgrounds were not full that was the first time i've ever seen yeah have ever been to Texas? I mean, the, the one thing about Texas was, you know, you could always say, well, the campgrounds are completely packed, you know, that's, they have a lively scene going on and they didn't sell all their camping spots this time. And I mean, I can't blame people from, no, would you you go there if you were a fan? I
1: know. I don't like Texas.
0: Sorry. I mean,
1: I I mean, there was, I I mean, if I was going to rate, rate the 36, rank the 36 races, Texas is, I'm not kidding. When I say this, if it's not last it's damn close to the bottom.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's, it's hard to argue with. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I like, I like visiting there. Like I like visiting the yeah, area, but it's a great
1: market, great sports yeah. market.
0: So let's move on to sort of a different topic here. Um, Nate Dom's had a question that jumped out at me and, and I just felt I wanted to answer it Cause I already have an answer. Like, I feel like I already know the answer to one where I'm not just talking out of my butt here, but, uh, his question was, <laughs> um, do you think NASCAR would ever consider a champions slash senior tour similar to the idea of the PGA? Maybe a three or four race season of short tracks where the retired guys get a chance to race a little. Um, I don't, do, you, do you want to answer this? I, I feel like I, I've got the answer teed up, Jordan.
1: I think it's a hard no, but I want to hear your thoughts. I think it's a very hard no with no possibility.
0: Why Why do you say that?
1: Because they've kind of tried this before. It hasn't worked. We saw this thing at Bristol like, what, 10, 11 years ago where they, had, they brought in a bunch of veteran guys and Larry Pearson ended up in the hospital with severe injuries because you know, you know these guys haven't raced in a while. And I just think it's really hard. Now, if you want to put together a series with with Gordon and Edwards and Stewart and like some of those notable guys who still have some good years left, sure, I guess. I, I just don't see it happening.
0: Yeah. So my answer was exactly what you talked about. I was at the Bristol race in 2010. They had like this legends race and they, even, I mean, David Pearson was in this race in addition to um, a bunch of former, you know, Xfinity series type champions and p- people like that. Um, as you mentioned, Larry p- Pearson, David's son, uh, he got knocked unconscious. He had to be cut out of his car. He and uh, Charlie Glutzbach uh, were both hospitalized. I mean, Pearson was hospitalized for, I wanna say like two weeks or something.
1: Like Broke some bones, didn't
0: he? Yeah. I mean, he had to have surgery. Um, and immediately, like I remember being at Bristol and going, Oh uh, like everybody was immediately going, Okay, that's why they don't do these. Oh uh, yeah. Like everybody was all hype, like, whoa, David Pearson's gonna race. Like, this is cool, like yeah. Bristol. And then like that thing happened, and they're like, All right, yeah, we're never doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a
1: reason these guys I mean, this isn't like golf. There's a reason these guys are retired. Like, I mean it's it's this is not a sport you can have a margin of error and, and like, Oh, it's, it's cute. It's like, no, this is dangerous.
0: Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's a great um, like I completely understand where Nate is coming from on this question because like when I think about it, like, Oh man, that'd be cool. Like Rusty Wallace sure. and people like that. But I mean, I guess in, in a way SRX um, now they have a lot of current people too, but that can be sort of like the retirement yeah. series where somebody, you know, s- still wants to race a little bit like a, <laughs> Michael Waltrip, Bobby Labonte type, um, Paul Tracy, you know, uh, but, you know, honestly, like even with like Willie T ribs, um, you know, wanting to come back and and do the SRX stuff uh, last summer, like he was like winded. He was gassed after a lot of the races. He was so slow and it was like, man, I'm almost like worried about this guy. So unfortunately I think you get to an age where, um, it's just not conducive to do that. Even on a short track, um, I mean, you saw it with SRX, but I think SRX would like to get some more current drivers as well, like they did with Chase Elliott. But I mean, they had Bill Elliott uh, running competitively in in the last race at least, so that's probably the answer—like some sort of hybrid series where, but not all retired guys. So I think that's just too uh, too dangerous, too much liability there. Agreed. Um, let's see, scrolling scrolling through some other questions here. Uh, Chance Parker says, Jordan released the video.
1: So no chance, not happening. No one's seen it. No one will see it. Keeping it to myself.
0: No chance. Chance. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That was a dad joke.
1: Sorry about that. It's, well, it's appropriate. You're dad. So,
0: yeah. Um, so let's see some other ones here that we have. Um, so this is from Tim. Uh, after listening to the teardown this week, he had a couple questions. One of which was, what is the biggest mis- misconception that fans have about the day-to-day operations of NASCAR, the company and or NASCAR, the sport. Cool. What do you think? You want me to go first?
1: Yeah. Why don't you go first? I'm trying to formulate my, so
0: I, I honestly, and this is not trying to kiss NASCAR's button anyway, because at this point they're so mad at me that I don't think it matters. Why would they be um, mad at you, Jeff? So I, I honestly think that the biggest misconception that people have is that they like, I, I think they care. They care a lot more than people think. You they just are, took my answer. They're trying. Like, they're legitimately trying. So, obviously, they don't always get it right. And they make decisions that, you know, you look at and you go, well, it seems like none of the fans asked for this. Why would they do this? Or, um, But ultimately, when they sit in meetings, when they sit in their headquarters, and they're trying to come up with things for the sport, they're trying to do what they think is best for... NASCAR for the future to grow an audience. Um again, feel free to disagree with their decisions, uh what they come up with, the policies, all that kind of stuff. Their their calls and things like that. But I think the biggest misconception is that people just don't think like they just think wow, they're just so out of touch and whatever. But I I you know, knowing the people there, they they're trying. They're trying their best. And again, I I wish sometimes they had people in the room that maybe you said, ah, you guys know this, how this is going to look like, this is what fans are (laughs) going to say. Like, I don't know if you should do this or maybe they do have that, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Um, so that would be my answer to that.
1: I, I would echo what you said. And I think especially kind of this lack of a better term new guard of leadership that's emerged in NASCAR within the last handful of years, it is a sense of, we respect NASCAR's tradition. We are going to honor NASCAR tradition. We, you, know, you could see that with Darlington moving the Southern 500 back to Labor Day weekend. Also, at the same time, we are also going to be not beholden to the tradition. We're going to try new things. And I think NASCAR's willingness to fail is 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 should be admired because I think for a long time, whether it was I mean, you could pick a lot of different things. I, mean, I think this LA Coliseum idea is, is probably the perfect example of you know there was a time of we're not we're we're too we're not going to try things because it may look bad it may backfire on us. But this LA Coliseum thing of this could look bad this could potentially blow up in their face. You're you're in the LA market you're on national TV all of these things at a track that's custom built it could go wrong. But their willingness to say you know what set that aside we're going to try this that to me is admirable. All right. So this next
0: question is from Peter Dahlberg. And actually this wasn't a question he asked. He sent a long email and he had some great questions, but I just thought this observation he made, um, was something I never considered or thought about, I guess, uh, or haven't for a while. And and I wanted to just read it and get your reaction. So he was talking about how he went to the 2016, uh, championship race at Homestead. And that day it was, you know, Tony Stewart's last race, and there was all the buildup for that, and that was what all the focus was, right? But nobody knew that day that the other lasts were going to include Carl Edwards' final race. I mean, absolutely nobody could have thought that, even after he wrecked and walked to pit road out with Logano and all that stuff. I mean, imagine that, even being in the garage after. Um, you know, interviewing him and stuff like with this little group of media. I mean, I remember him like gathering his family and being like, Hey, we're going to be okay. And, you know, he talked about next year going forward and you know, all that stuff. And, you know, you could have never imagined that he'd walk away. Could have never imagined that. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that that was the last race without stages. I mean, was that ever even a possibility before they unveiled stages? I don't think so.
1: No, I don't think they, I have to go back and look. I don't think they started talking about it until I had off season when they were, they brought everybody into kind of like a little mini summit. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the final, I mean, potentially, unless they get rid of them someday, the final like straight up, straight through yeah. NASCAR cup series race. Green
1: to checkered flag. Yeah. yeah. Like, I
0: mean, obviously they had cautions for Rex, but you know what I mean? That's no, kind but of... there was no,
1: there was no stage breaks, right. so which is crazy. Think I don't think they, I don't think NASCAR had to start really kicking around until they, I think it was Na- it was Nashville that year. Wasn't it? they brought everybody together and they started talking about it. Vegas. There
0: was no Nashville. Yet, Vegas, right?
1: Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Vegas, Vegas. You're right. I'm sorry. So yeah. And
0: this was obviously Jimmy Johnson's final title when he, you know that, cause that night when he tied it, tied yeah. the record, you know, there was still talk of, of then like, okay, he's still
1: young enough. I think I wrote, <laughs> he's going to break. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean,
0: he can still go, um, you know, maybe he can win number eight now kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so and, and obviously, and as Peter notes, that actually turned out to be his fourth to last race win ever. Um, yeah, he only won a few more after that. So yeah, just kind of crazy. His observation was just, uh, what a unique race that was that there was so many lasts in that, it, it, you know, mm-hmm. just, uh, it all sort of, you know, 2016, it all sort of changed there, I guess. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting to, to read. No, on. The podcast. It's, it's a good
1: point. I didn't think about that. It's kind of changing in the garden in some respects.
0: Yeah. So let's look for uh, another question here. Uh, And this is one that you highlighted uh, from Aaron Brooks. And it says, in the next five years, which NASCAR teams are most likely to switch to a new OEM entering the sport?
1: Boy, that's a good question. And this has kind of been bandied about a little bit. We, We heard a lot of, so we heard some chatter about this at Phoenix. And to me, it comes down to, which team is really best positioned to build its own engines? Because that's going—that's really the big hurdle is if a new manufacturer comes in, they've got to be able to build their own engine. Because right now, basically Ford, Chevrolet, and Toyota are the three, largely the three primary exclusive engine builders in NASCAR. So looking at this landscape a little bit and kind of talking to some people, there's two teams that jump out to me. One is, is Roush. Fenway Keselowski racing, and I had to pause because it's going to take a little (laughs) bit of time to get used to that. (laughs) Um, is, you know, they are, let's be honest, they're third on the Ford pecking order. And I know I know Jack is a a longtime Ford man, but if you're that organization and you're kind of looking to kind of reassert yourself a little bit, wouldn't that make sense to join with a new OEM and become their top guy? and you know maybe they've got the infrastructure in place to build engines so that that's one and then the other one is Stuart Haas racing because they obviously have the infrastructure in place too um but if they're looking to kind of get out on their own and become that main focal point of an uh, of a manufacturer I, i i could see them doing it and i think something to note too is both tony and gene have have Ties to other manufacturers and other forms of motorsports that they're involved in. So those would probably be my two choices.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. So um Ali Osman has a question about the next gen car. We haven't talked about that um on this podcast yet. And obviously there was just a test at Charlotte this week that uh you were at, Jordan. Ali Osman, by the way, yeah. our 2020 predictions champion. Um and mm-hmm. do you know I don't know if you read my article but do you know who the 2021 I love everything you oh, right. okay, write. Wow.
1: I love everything you write. You're my favorite writer. I uh,
0: unfortunately won the 2021 predictions uh for the preseason picks on the Athletic uh really by accident. I went 0 for 5 last year, 4 for 5 <laughs> this year. Uh I don't know how everybody let me beat them, but Ali Osman, I took the title from him. So, um thank you. But uh he says by the way, he's been listening since uh the usa today podcast that i was doing way back wow. those were like the start your engines podcast i was like the beginning oh yeah of my podcast dabbling i guess but uh anyway he wants to know about the next gen he was he's comparing it to the gen 6 because when the gen 6 happened everybody was saying good ridden cot because the gen 6 was gonna come along and change everything um and then now people are like you know see ya you know gen 6 car we're excited for <laughs> next gen maybe but um basically he wants to know what the consensus from fans will be regarding the car um and will nascar be making major tweaks throughout the year every year like with gen 6 um you know how do you see this unfolding uh, based on what we know about um nascar's intentions so far which include the concept of 550 package basically remaining in place
1: that's a good question, and I think it's fair to say that NASCAR is going to tweak this car as they go along. They've already done that already, whether it's the front clips or whether it's the exhaust or the cooling, with the you know making sure the drivers stay cool inside the car. So yeah, I mean this is a work in progress, and it's going to end until these cars get out in an actual race on on a, I would say honestly like an intermediate cell track in real world conditions and see what that car is like. And you can replicate as much as you want and test it. but until you get into an actual race and see what that's like, yeah, there, there's going to be all sorts of adjustments to this and, and modifications as you go along. And that's just part of the process. So I would, I would fully expect this to happen. I'm not, I'm, I'm Oh, <laughs> man. look at the, look at your face. Look at your face. This is my favorite part of the podcast where Jeff, just, you can see you're just biting your tongue. Like you just want to say something. What is on your mind? Tell us. Cut open a vein. Share with us.
0: <laughs> I was debating all week whether I should go there or not. Um, Do it. Do it. I don't. Do I don't it. know. Like you know, in one on one hand, I will say it is premature to jump to too many conclusions. Obviously, about when did COVID that ever stop testing? You? And I just said last week, I think that don't jump to any conclusions because I got bit by jumping <laughs> to conclusions at the Vegas test. But listen. You cannot, you. Oh, I love this. You cannot, cannot have the Premier Series cars, the Cup Series cars, turning slower lap times at the same track than ARCA cars do. You cannot have a situation where, if you had ARCA cars, Ty Gibbs and an ARCA car on the same track as the Cup Series cars, that Ty Gibbs, if the race played out, would lap Cup Series cars. That is not acceptable, okay? I understand, oh, you know, it could be close to Xfinity cars and, you know, maybe the speeds will be different at some tracks or maybe the trucks will be faster at some tracks, but, and maybe people don't pay attention to this. Maybe people don't care, you know, if unless you really put the speed side by side, you wouldn't know, blah, blah, blah. Look, the speeds I saw from the speed charts at Charlotte, and again, it's early. Hopefully they'll make them faster. I know they're keeping the 550 concept. I'm not even arguing that, but you've got to make the cars faster. You cannot have Richard Petty driving experience around Charlotte levels of speed for the cup series cars. You just can't look again. I get, okay, you know, you now you can go to the dealership and buy a car off the street that has more horsepower than a cup series car. And we've accepted that for in the name of good racing. But is it, and, and and again, I, I'm not saying that faster speeds translates into good racing, but just the mere principle of it. ARCA. ARCA cars. No. Like, no. How have we gotten so far along, lost uh, along the way here with everything going on in the sport that people think they can twist themselves into uh, a pretzel of logic to justify this... Uh, you cannot have this. You cannot. So please NASCAR make the cars faster or make the cars at least faster than Arca cars on intermediate tracks. That's my one request. Okay. Like everybody gets a pass for the racing next year. Cause it's going to be new and people are going to be adjusting to it, but you can't have the cars going that slow. You just can't. I'm sorry.
1: How do you do it though? I, I, I mean, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. I'm just, when it comes to the mechanical engineering side of things, I don't get it. I know NASCAR this week, they changed the rear spoiler a little bit and that raised the speeds up a little bit, add the horsepower. But I, 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 I don't, I generally don't know is I don't know how you make a change to the car where you add a significant speed to it to make it different. I'm not disagreeing what you say. I, I think I, on some level, I agree with you. I also think about it. Like this, if you're watching from the grandstands, are you watching at home? Do you really know what an ARCA car does? Do you even care as long as you have good racing? I, I just, to me, it's more, you know, if they're more,
0: looking they're, Jordan, they're four seconds off the track record at Charlotte. They're like almost two seconds off what they were even with this 550 package in May. You you can tell they're going that slow, in my opinion. From the videos I saw, they look slow. I'm not saying...
1: I'm not saying they don't look slow, but I'm saying is that you do know though that, oh, wow, man, these guys, I watch an Arca race and these guys are so, so I, mean, people watch Arca really that know it, to I agree it's, with it's that, but day.
0: I'm saying you can't have a situation where you're comparing this, the, the speeds side by side and go, Hey, by the way, you know, these cup cars where we're like having, you know, everybody wants to say, Oh, there's best drivers in the world. All the, you know, the premier series, you know, the top level, the major leagues. Yeah. They're slower than all these cars. Yeah. I mean, It used to be about, you know, speed and like, Oh, you know, there's this fascination in motorsports with like, how fast can you go being on the edge and still, you know, keep control of your car and win the race and all this stuff. And, And that's been, you know, again, in the name of good racing to have everybody more bunched up, this is the direction they've chose to go in. But, and what do you mean? You don't know how to make the cars go faster, chop some spoiler off, give them more horsepower. That's how you make cars go faster. We're not gonna do more horsepower though. I
1: mean that's it's that's a that, that ship has sailed.
0: Okay, then chop spoiler yeah. off. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean the spoilers already been knocked down quite a bit. I don't know how much more you can go, you know, and how much more that's gonna speed. I mean, I think was it going to five inches this week? I'd have to go back and look. No, I they they,
0: they had they were doing eight inches and they tried some cars. I think the SHR cars tried seven inches.
1: Okay. Right? So you go down to five, four, I guess. You know, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I mean and, and these cars are already so unstable. Uh, on oval tracks, the way it is. I mean, we saw it this week in, in, in testing. Like if you take away that spoiler and more that that's going to make these cars even more unstable. So then where you, uh, I'm not disagreeing with you, that they may, I'd like to see this fixed. I just don't think there's an easy solution to it. I think we're already too well down that road.
0: Well, I hope that there's some tweaks they can make. That's all I'm saying. So Kevin says um, his question is, what is one result in 2021 that could have changed the course of the season? So for example, well, his example I- is um, like, let's say Eric Almarola doesn't win New Hampshire. So that means he doesn't make the playoffs. And we eventually find out Austin Dillon made the playoffs instead and um, never finished outside the top 15, in the playoffs. Is that true? I didn't need to check on that. Um, so where would that have you know left things? Um, so what is one thing that, that could have changed the course of everything that happened
1: to, to me, this is an easy answer. And to me, I go back to the Roval because if I don't know how you want to like, how you want to pinpoint it, but if Kevin Harvick doesn't crash you know, going into turn, what happens there? Does, does chase Elliot pay him back and get revenge? And then does that, what happen? Then what does Harvick do afterwards? Does he go after Elliot on pit road? Is there some ramifications later down the road? If Kevin, there is no payback and Harvard doesn't crash, he, pro, he, he's, he was in a good spot to advance in a year where he's been struggling. And then who knows what happens then? Is Chase Elliott eliminated from the playoffs then? The defending champion? Does he not finish second? I mean, just all of these are third or we end up finishing uh, third or fourth, whatever. End up, but like, does he end up missing out? I mean, there's just that that to me is the 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 moment of the season where I look at of all of these different possibilities that have a lot of big ramifications.
0: That's a really interesting one. Um, it's hard to argue with that, honestly, because you know you you definitely come away with that feeling like Harvard kind of screwed himself there, um, and really, I mean, he said like, "Oh, I never had a shot to win this, to win the championship." But I mean, he we, we would have been able to find out whether he did. I mean, I I think he had more of a shot than maybe he he was saying there. So that one's really hard to argue with. I mean, I guess you could you could go back to some of the crazy moments like um you know does does the roval or sorry does the coda race play out differently if nascar doesn't you know run it in the heavy rain and take out so many cars and you know maybe that race gets you know postponed or something um or moved later i mean i think it eventually did stop raining shortly after they called it for for chase elliott while while he was leading um you know, would somebody else have won? It probably would have just been another Larson win, honestly. But, you know, there's moments like that, I think, of where I'd think, whoa, that was crazy. That took out a bunch of cars needlessly. Sort of like the New Hampshire situation, honestly. So um that is a good question, though. Moving on, Scott Wren um, asked, he had, he had a few questions. He says, with SMI acquiring Dover and Nashville, do you think those tracks will lose their dates? And if so, to what tracks? I'm sure the fairgrounds would get one potentially this smi uh acquisition was interesting to say the least yeah uh, what did you hey, make of that i
1: don't can, is it okay to say i'm not sure what to make of it yet like i mean i was surprised but i wasn't surprised i'm still trying to really honestly wrap my head around this and see what the ramifications are from this um you know a lot of people are saying oh dover's gonna lose a race and i'm like oh okay maybe i mean we, we know they've had attendance issues but that company's still profitable i mean they still made millions of dollars last year because of you know ticket sales and, and television money primarily so and that's in a key market i mean philadelphia is close new york's close dc's close baltimore. is that baltimore is is that a market and, and also look at the northeast that rate a lot of races have been taken from there is nascar really going to remove another race in the northeast market i i don't know i i don't know but obviously looking at the fairground there's still a lot of steps that need to happen for that to, to, to manifest but let's assume that that everything comes together and they, the fairgrounds becomes a, a race track that is capable of posting the NASCAR Cup series they're going to need a date from somewhere it would make sense that Dover is but I, I don't know if it is do you take it from Atlanta I I don't know the answer to these questions because I just there's a lot of unknowns right now it, it does it is interesting to see but I will say this that, SM, that Speedway Motorsports owns both tracks in Nashville is intriguing to me. And I think the possibilities and the conversations I've had with people are that there's a lot of different promotional things that they can do. And it makes it really easy then to have a race at each of those tracks in the same season, because you can sell a season ticket to both of those races. You can sell cross-sell sponsorship opportunities, um, all sorts of different things you can kind of do. So... I don't know. um the short answer is is I think Dover's fine in in the short term because we don't know what's going to happen with the fairgrounds. but this in the long term, yeah, I, I think this is a very interesting move for a company that has uh, been very bold in some of the moves that they've made over the last few years, whether it's coda, whether it's Bristol dirt, um whether it's the rollles. so this is just another one
0: yeah. i've you know, I've seen that idea floated about like I think even Bob tweeted about it too. um. About like, hey, maybe you know, this if even if they do get to fairgrounds, this could be something where it's like they have a joint ticket or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see why, like, if you're if you're a fan of Nashville and you know, you're you're gonna go to a race, I mean, why wouldn't you just go to the fairgrounds race? Why even go to the Nashville Super Speedway? At at, at the point where the fairgrounds go on the schedule, I think that almost like kills the, the Nashville super speedway because What's the, you know, does not, first of all, you know, we're talking about how NASCAR needs to be going to a bunch of different markets and now they've gotten into Nashville, obviously, which is good, but I don't think NASCAR needs to be going to markets twice a year as a general concept. So why, why would they do that? Especially you, you have one track. I mean, go to the fairgrounds twice and add two short tracks if you want to do that rather than going to Nashville super speedway. I just don't think Nashville super speedway puts on some like amazing enough product where you're going to be like, Oh yeah, we, we have to be committed to this and be married to this. So I kind of just think it's an easy, you know, hold over for now. And then if they get the fairgrounds, it's easy to move that date. I, I mean, I, and I get, I, I'm someone that doesn't want to see Dover go away just for the market element of it. Right. So um, like you said, there's so many cities within uh two or three hour drive there. That's, that's a huge population center. Now, Pocono just lost a race. So, New Hampshire's
1: down to one race.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's really, um, you, you don't want to oversaturate the South again and everything. So anyway.
1: I think you make a really good point though. and that, that, that This is something to consider is that maybe that the cost of obtaining Nashville Super Speedway is basically Speedway Motorsports' cost to get a date for the Nashville Fairgrounds and that they can, you know, the, the contract for Nashville Super Speedway runs through 2024, if I'm not mistaken. And so that is about the time frame when the fairgrounds is supposed to be completed. If, if the timeline is, as I've been told, goes through. So maybe that whatever they're paying for the, this deal. And, and um, I don't have the number in front of me. Maybe that's just part of this though. Is like, Hey, this is our date for the national fairgrounds. And we're going to end up shuttering national speed, super speedway or doing whatever we do with it when, when that time comes.
0: So, um, let's wrap up this podcast with a little bit of F one talk and, and we'll have a question to lead into it. We also had the F one race, uh, this morning. Um, and, uh, you were doing a live blog for that actually. So I know you I were, did check you it were, out. You were awake for that. I got up early here in mountain time as well. But, um, so this is from Brian Watts and he actually wrote a long note, but he, his basic premise is that essentially, um, he he was he's a lifelong NASCAR fan. Grew up carrying his '94 Jeff Gordon diecast everywhere, um, but enter 2020, and he suddenly sort of discovered F1. He'd always kept an eye on it, but now he's never misses a race, and he's sort of examining what happens to himself uh, to make this happen. Um, essentially, his his TLDR of it is uh, he likes the shorter races. He likes the authentic focus on personalities and drama. He likes that there's no repeat tracks. He likes that there's a serious tone from the broadcasts and more attention to all teams across the whole field. But, um, his question to, to dive into it further, he says, shorter races are great. I can get in and out of an F1 race in the length of a movie, not an afternoon, like in NASCAR aside from a few legacy races, wouldn't shorter NASCAR races benefit the fan base? Um, I think today like today's F1 race, for instance, was in Qatar was a perfect, uh, example because it wasn't a good, I mean, it was a boring race for the most part, essentially for at least by this season standards for F1. I mean, Lewis Hamilton killed everybody, but it was over in an hour and a half. So you watch it and you're like, okay, what's going to happen? Oh, nothing really much too much happened. And that's it. Then you move on with your day. NASCAR obviously doesn't have that. Every race is sort of like an event that takes up, you know, your whole afternoon, um, Would you like to see shorter NASCAR races, Jordan?
1: I would. And it's funny you should mention this, Jeff, because I have an interview with a NASCAR executive who's kind of in charge of the TV side of things. Um, And that that interview, that Q&A, is going to run, I believe, tomorrow on The Athletic. And one of the questions I asked um, Brian Herbst, uh, the NASCAR executive, was about shorter races. And it was that this is something that NASCAR needed to consider because if you go back to the playoffs, Texas and Martinsville were three hours and 42 minutes in length. That's to me is excessive, especially at a time when you're competing against the NFL and you're trying to, you know, we keep hearing it. Shorter's better. Shorter's better. And I asked him um, about that, and he did acknowledge on the record that shorter races is something that needs to be considered, and that is something that NASCAR is looking at. So you know, I think. But yeah, go ahead. Can I'm I sorry. preface? I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want, no. It's my fault. I do want to preface this too. Um, You mentioned legacy races; those wouldn't be touched, obviously. You know, Daytona 500, Coke 600, date. Uh, Southern 500. And it's not like they're going to be going to like 200 mile races or 300 mile races, but just in general, you may just see kind of what we've already seen already is kind of an evolution towards shorter events across the board.
0: You you always have to be careful talking about this because, you know, you get the inevitable people on Twitter or whatever, you just don't want to work as long. You know, you, you're a writer, you know, you just want to go home or, or you don't want to be at the track or whatever. I mean, we're at the track, like 16 hours on race days or whatever. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Like, uh, how, if the race is 30 minutes shorter or not, but I, the reason I like shorter races or would, you know, be an advocate for them is because I think it's, it's more action in a tighter window. Those, you don't have as much time to ride around and, um, you know, it's, it's go, go, go the whole time. And every moment seems bigger because it has a, a more immediate impact. And if there's some sort of mistake, you can't recover from it as quickly. And, Um, everything just seems more heightened. So, um, I get from fans where they're like, you know, by God, I, I came to Texas and, you know, I paid all this money for it and I, I want my 500 miles. And if you're going to take away, you know, make it a 350 mile race or whatever. I mean, I want, you know, I don't want to pay as much for that, but again, it's like, wouldn't you rather watch a 350 mile race? That's like way more like, Oh, go, go, go action packed than, a 500 mile race where you're just like, all right, this is kind of like the chill time where everybody just goes and gets refreshments. Cause it's just going to be a long green flag run. I mean, I want more entertainment and action. I think shorter races would fulfill that. But I mean, I get where people are coming from. I just,
1: I don't know. I agree. I, I don't buy the argument that, Oh, it's better for us. It's every sport. Really, just about every sport, I mean, baseball, we hear this a lot, is looking to, to make sure that its product is entertaining, the action is continually moving, and it's good for both the, the people in attendance and primarily good for the people watching at home. And you have to be aware of time of events. And I'm sorry, I, I, I say this, and I don't mean it as a hot take, but I, I watched the Martinsville playoff race. It, it was fantastic. It was great. But why does that have to be 500 laps? Why does that have, race has to be nearly four hours every year?
0: So uh, as long as we're on the F1 topic, and this is usually our post-race podcast slot, why don't we discuss a little bit about the F1 race today? Um, obviously, very dominating by Lewis Hamilton. Um, nobody else had a chance. Max Verstappen, we found out, you know, pretty much right before the race, had a five-position grid penalty, but quickly made that up. Uh, got to second, really, in the in the opening laps, but. Just they just didn't have the speed to compete with Mercedes. So um, while Verstappen did get fastest lap, uh, F1 moves to the final two races of the year in Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi with uh, Verstappen having an eight point lead, even though it feels like Hamilton, based on the momentum from the last two weeks, really seems to have uh, a leg up at this point. But it's still Verstappen with the advantage in the
1: points. It is in a big race for him today, big second place finish, which almost has to feel like a win because I, you know, everything that happened with Hamilton's speed in, in qualifying, accompanied with Verstappen having the 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 grid penalty that dropped him down the order to seventh, it just felt like Ooh, this is gonna be a huge point swing today. And while Hamilton did cut it into the lead, Verstappen still has it. And it felt like it could have been cut even more. And I thought him holding serve and getting that bonus point for the fast lap today was really, was, was crucial in how tight this, this points battle is. Every point matters. Yeah. The next two weeks certainly do seem to favor Mercedes with their newfound speed and everything. Um, but looking at today's race specifically, I thought it was, it was really critical and a great job ever stopping, especially on that opening lap, to, to blow by everybody and red bull to manage the situation. And what could have been a bad day was minimized.
0: And Fernando Alonso first podium yeah. since 2014. Really cool for him. Uh, see him fend- Certainly. Um, it probably helped that, that safety car at the end, there, virtual safety car. Um, he didn't have to use up his, his quickly dwindling tires, uh, in the last couple laps to try to hold off Perez, but, um, nice for him. Nice, nice moment to see him get that reward there after it looked like his F1 career was over a few years ago.
1: Yeah. Great. And he's still, I would like to see him in one of those, you know, Mercedes or Red Bulls car. I think he can still do it. he he's gotten moments this year where you can just, you can see the glimpses of it today. And today was one of them, um, where he he still has the talent and he's 40 years old, but it doesn't, he isn't driving like a 40 year old.
0: So uh, we obviously have Thanksgiving coming up and as it stands now, I, I don't know what the black Friday or cyber Monday or whatever deal is going to be, or we don't have like that information or that code yet or whatever it is. But, um, I'm going to say with somewhat degree of certainty, confidence, uh, that if you go to theathleticcom slash the teardown on black Friday or that week, maybe Thanksgiving itself, I'm not sure that is where you'll be able to find the deal. you you'll be like presented with the deal as a new subscriber. So that's usually the best deal of the year or one of them. Um, I I certainly don't think you'll find a better deal than that, whatever it will be. Um, and I they haven't even told us that there is going to be one, but there always is. So, um, usually we get a really good response around that time. So just want to get that on your radar. Uh, if you're thinking of getting a subscription for yourself or as a gift for somebody this year to the athletic, obviously we're sort of winding down a little bit, not as much motorsports coverage with the season, uh, coming to an off season. We saw stuff going on. We're going to the awards and things like that in Nashville, but, Um, not as much obviously, but, uh, still there's other sports going on and obviously it's a year subscription that you can get. So, uh, you'll have that for all of next season as well. And you won't get a better deal when, uh, they when the Daytona 500 comes around. So again, that is, uh, the athletic.com slash the teardown. And, uh, just want to, again, thank everybody who submitted questions. I'm going to run through some names. So at least I read your name, uh, on the podcast. If we got your question, um, I don't know if we'll do a second follow-up uh, listener mailbag or not. So, uh, Ali Osman, Contessa Nyri, uh, Kevin, Holly Brock, Chris, Dave, Scott Wren, um, Bob Pocras, Brian Watts. Um, thanks, Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Uh, Chance Parker, Nate Doms, Michelle Kid, uh, Jason Kester, Jared C. Bryce, Will, Tom, Trevor, Joe McIntyre, Cameron Lorenzo. Jack Kozlowski again with the cool graphic there, Blaine Russell, Tim, uh, Jonathan Mason, Aaron Brooks, Peter Dahlberg, uh, Mick Rose, Eric, uh, Haman, I'm going to say Haman. I'll say Haman. Sorry if I screwed that up, Eric, Chris Sama, uh, Andy Abe, Aaron Peach. Thank you all for your questions and thank you all for, uh, Some people had very kind words about why they listen to the podcast or how much enjoyment they've gotten out of the coverage. And we read through, I put it in a Google Google doc so Jordan could see as well. And uh, we read through all the comments and it's just like, wow, that's really
1: nice. Jeez. Thanks. Very cool. That's so awesome. The feedback and support we get from everybody much appreciated. Always brings a smile to our face. Said this before, appreciate all of you love doing the podcast. And uh, it's great to see that everybody's kind of hopping on board and uh, helping us continue to grow.
0: Yeah, so we appreciate that. And we appreciate you, of course, as always, for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the tear.